0: All right, take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to turn to quite a few scriptures this morning. Matthew chapter 11. The title of this morning's message is, you're invited. Several times that Christ says, come. He calls us to come, and so we're going to take a look at those this morning. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the Bible says, Come unto me, Jesus says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I'm thankful for those scriptures right there. Those can, uh, those can bring some comfort. When, call, when Christ calls us uh, in personal discipleship to a relationship with Him that can bring rest and uh, fulfillment. When He invites us to Himself, you know, sometimes our, our load can be heavy. Just from the burdens of life... Uh, You know, just from really uh, the guilt of sin. Sometimes sin will weight us down, the burdens of that and and the guilt of that. But Christ says, come unto me. And He can can relieve our burden. He can take our load off. He can help us. I thought it was interesting here that He says uh, in verse 29, and learn of me. You know... It's interesting that by learning about Christ or getting to know Christ, somehow we find rest for our souls. And understanding who Christ is and what He really, uh, for the believer, for the Christian, what He is to us and for us. I mean, when we learn, you know, the day you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and are born again, uh, boy, that's 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 the greatest thing that could ever happen but but it it may take a while of understanding what all happened at that very moment it may take a while to realize all the benefits and the eternal benefits and who christ is for you and the more we learn about what christ is for us as our savior and who he is for us as our as a friend that sticketh closer than a brother boy the more rest we can have for our souls Look at John. John, I told you we are going to turn to a lot of scriptures this morning, so be ready. John chapter 14. It's good to look at these. Some of these you may even want to mark in your Bible or highlight. John chapter 14. verse 1, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. This is interesting that he would say that uh, a way to not have our hearts be troubled, in other words, the way not to be anxious and, and fearful and all those things is belief. He says, hey, you believe in God, believe also in Me. The belief in Christ, that learning about Christ can bring rest, can bring rest to our souls. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's good news, isn't it? I mean, I don't, you know, the hope of heaven is, is a great hope that we have. And that we're going to be with Christ and He's there preparing a place for us now. He says, and if I go, verse 3, and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, There you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. You know, that's the gospel message. Jesus Christ the way, Jesus Christ the truth. And he says, hey, if you believe in me, if you believe and, and learn of me, then hey, you can find rest. Uh, we are invited today by our Savior to find rest, to have rest. He, he tells His disciples in Mark chapter 6, in Mark chapter 6 and verse uh, 30 and 31. Now, the context here is uh, He'd send His disciples out to be missionaries, to evangelize, to tell folks, uh, that the Messiah was here to tell folks that Christ had come. And, and they go out and they do that. And really they come back just charged up. And, and there was kind of a buzz around the ministry that was, was going on there. In verse uh, 30 of Mark chapter 6, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and look at this, and rest a while. For there are many coming and going. I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of coming and going these days, isn't there? There's a lot of just busyness. Uh, That can be in the ministry. That can just be in just your daily life. There's a lot of just coming and going. There's a, a busy schedule. He says, hey, come apart for a while. For they had no leisure, Leisure, so much as to eat. They really had no personal time. There was so many people coming around them, so much stuff going on, so much noise. And it's interesting that He calls them to come apart, even though, honestly, these guys were doing what they were called to do. I mean, they were doing the work of the Lord, but still they needed to come apart to rest. You've heard that before. You have to come apart for a while so that you don't come apart. And we all understand that. Every now and again, it's good to rest. And you say, why is it? Well, how about the, the prophet Elijah when he was trying to hear from Jehovah, when he was trying to hear from God in 1 Kings? Elijah said that he didn't, he didn't find God in the earthquake and he didn't hear Him in the fire, but he heard Him where? In the still, small voice. And I don't know if it's just part of our culture or maybe even, uh, you know, a a, a trick of the enemy. But it seems like there is so much noise today, isn't there? So much noise. I mean, whether it be the the entertainment and media and our phones and our computers and all those sorts of things, all good things. No, I'm not trying to knock them but hey, if we're not intentional to hear from the Lord, to get that still, small voice to come apart in the fellowship and relationship with Him, uh, before long we'll find that we don't have rest. I mean, even our work. I mean, we can be worn out from our work. Hey, we're called to work. That's so ordained of God from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. But man, sometimes even that could, could block out the, the relationship and fellowship with the Lord, that rest That we find from Him. He also uh, invites us to come and drink. Come and drink. Turn to John chapter 7. So Christ calls us and invites us to come and rest. He invites us in John chapter 7 and verse 37. He says that. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost had not yet uh, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He promised to send the Spirit when He ascended into heaven. And, and He likens the Spirit here and also in John 4 and the woman at the well. He likens the Spirit to that living water. That water that's going to be in us. And He said, it's going to flow out of us like li- like rivers of living water. We talk about that a lot here. Why? Because... It's a command. Being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, is a command from the Lord. In Ephesians five eighteen, he says, "Be not drunk with wine, where it is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit." You say, "Why? Why is it a command for us here uh, as New Testament believers to be filled with the Spirit?" Because it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that empowers us. I mean, it is. It is the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, that gives us the power to live our Christian life, to be able to have any any power, just like a hand in a glove. the glove is, has nothing without the hand in it right that 's you and I without the Spirit, to try and walk uh, in, to try and live the Christian life and, and all those things it 's almost pointless without God inside of us without his his joy, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we understand that the joy comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a result of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So many times we have this struggle in our lives. Uh, trying to overcome the fleshly desires. Things that uh, we know hurt us. We know uh, tear us down, break us down, and, and cause uh, heartache and pain in our lives. But the easiest way to overcome these things is by walking after the Spirit. Paul says, walk after the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, those things will fall off. Those things will be easier to overcome What when we have the power of God's Spirit in us and working through us. You know, the Holy Spirit inside of us, that living water, it just brings satisfaction. It just brings uh, contentment. And the easiest way to understand that is being very, very thirsty and getting a cold drink of water. That's why Christ likens it to that. And I believe that all of us in our Christian life, from time to time, if we are uh, not resting in the Lord, if we're not fellowshiping with the Lord, if we're not purposely walking after the Spirit boy, we can become thirsty. Right? We we can get dry. To come coming and uh, in, in, in receiving. That's the thing, is He's offering it. He says, come, come on to me and drink this water. Uh, get filled up, get filled up with the, with the Word of God and filled up with the Spirit of God and allow it to overflow in your life. Don't try to serve God out of a have-to. Serve Him out of a want-to. Serve Him out of an overflow. Serve Him out of, man, He just given me more than I, I could ever ask for, more than I could ever dream of. He has filled me up and blessed me. He invites us to rest. He invites us to come and drink. Look at Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, this is one we talk about quite often here. He invites us to follow Him. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 16... The Bible says, now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. I, I, I continue to just find that an, an amazing how Christ calls His disciples. I, I find it amazing who Christ calls to be disciples also. The fisherman, the tax collector, and so on. But how when He called them to follow Him, that they did. And really, that's a, that is the simplicity of the Christian life is, is He is calling us, He is inviting us to follow Him. And so many times... Um, I really think that the, the, the hardest part of following Him is surrendering our will to His. I mean, Peter and, and John and Matthew, they, they, they surrendered their livelihood, their whatever, to follow Christ. He said, come. You know, even in this nation, which we call ourselves a Christian nation, there's not many following. I mean, even in, even in what is what is called a Christian nation, there's not many following. But I must say, many have been invited. Many have been invited. He has invited all, all to come. In Matthew seven, thirteen and 14, the Bible says, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So there's many on the broad way. Many going their own way, really. But verse 14, because straight is the game and narrow is the way that leadeth to life. And then he says this, and few there be that find them. Christ's inviting, He's inviting all, He's inviting all to come, He's inviting all to come and follow Him. He's inviting all to come uh, and receive Him as we talked about Uh, last week but not all have you know he calls all ages for his for his uh disciples you know you say uh could i be too old no could i be too young no he calls all ages to come and follow christ look at mark chapter 10 mark chapter 10 Verse 13. He says, And they brought young children to Him that He should touch them. And His disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, He was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto Me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, or truly I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as little children, he shall not enter in. In other words, if you're going to come to Christ, and He's inviting you to come to Christ, you almost have to do it with the faith of a child. Childlike faith, the following Christ. Verse 16, And He took them up, in His arms and put His hands on them and blessed them. We see here that there wasn't, wasn't children too young to come to Christ. He said, hey, bring the children to Christ. You can't be too young. You can't be too old. I'm, I'm thankful for the Sunday school. All the, all the young kids we saw go out of here today, they learn about Jesus that loves them and learn about uh, Jesus that can pay for their sin and can lead them and guide them uh, through their lives. There's... There's no, uh, there's, there's no better thing that we can set up for our children than to show them and teach them Jesus Christ. He invites the children. I have found uh, we have uh, three children, and we're having our fourth. I do find that that the invitations... Uh, kind of become less, the more kids that you have. Or, or, the, or the invitation to something go like this, hey, you guys should come on over, get a babysitter, come on over, you know? <laughs> well, I get the point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are little little terrorists, they may destroy some stuff, so I don't blame it. But but you know what? They can come to Christ. They can come to Christ. And he invites them, to any age, in all ages. He calls us to come to Christ. Look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter eight and verse thirty four. He's calling calling us to follow Christ, and you say, "What's it look like to follow Christ? What's it look like to go after Him?" I'd say in the world in the world that we live today, in the time and age we live, to follow Christ is would be pretty radical. Mark chapter eight, but it was and it, that, that's that's not true because it would be in any age to follow Christ. In any age. He says in in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, And when He had called the people unto Him, with His disciples also, He said unto them, Whosoever, anyone, whoever, will come after Me, let him deny himself. Now that's radical. To deny yourself, isn't it? I mean, that is... That is not in our nature. From... From, as we were talking about, the little children. I mean, you know, that's what they're, that's what they're, they, uh, they're, they're centered around is themselves. Me, 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 I, I, can I get, right? And uh, we learn to mask it a little bit better as we get older. Uh, but still, that nature is in there for self, right? And he says they would deny themselves and take up his cross and follow me. And that's radical. When Christ is calling us, he says, Hey, hey, you want to follow me? He says, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Look at verse 35. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same will save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What a powerful question. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Hold on. There was a sinful generation when Christ was alive I thought it was just now. You know what? It's always been that way, right? It's always been that way. He says... In this generation of him, also shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he cometh in the glory of his Father, with the holy angels. What? Deny ourselves? Deny ourselves to follow Christ? Take up our cross? You know, I don't even know exactly what that means to take up our cross and follow Christ. That might mean that might mean uh, uh, you know that we have an, a permanent burden maybe that we have to bear. Maybe a sickness, a disability, a pain, a a relationship that is heartache, uh, problems that we just have to suffer. Maybe it means we'd be willing to die for Christ. Or that we would serve Christ all the way to death. But regardless of what, what it means to carry our cross, if we're following Christ who's carrying His cross, we know exactly where Christ went with the cross, don't we? He went to Calvary. He went to Calvary. And if we're following Christ, who's carrying His cross, we're going to end up at Calvary. And any time we end up at Calvary, that's a good thing. I mean, Calvary, you know, Calvary, uh, during the time of Christ, uh, was a place, was not a good place. The cross was not a good thing. It was a sign of, of, of humiliation. It was a sign of, of uh, he, was, he was just a, uh, uh, reviled and looked down on him he was crucified, hung there beaten and naked for us but you know what I'm not ashamed of Calvary I'm not ashamed of the cross, you know the cross for us today stands for our freedom it stands for our it stands for our, 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 our uh, the, the defeat of sin and the defeat of, of death it gives us hope the cross gives us hope. I mean, when we, when we go after Christ and, and end up at Calvary, boy, when we get to Calvary, that's the thing about Christianity. We really should be, all of us really should be just humble. Because in, in Christianity, following Christ, there's no big shots, is there? There really isn't. The, the ground is level at the feet of the cross. I mean, there's one person that we look to when, when we call ourselves Christians, and that is who... Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins and paid our payment for sins. You know, I'm not ashamed of the cross, and I'm not ashamed as followers of Christ. We're not ashamed of Calvary. Actually, we may be a little bit outspoken about it. Why? Because it's the good news. It's the hope for mankind. It's the hope for this world. John, the, the disciple, the follower of Christ, he was at the cross, and it changed his life. The thief, he was at the cross also. He was on his own cross. And it changed his destiny. It changed his eternity. Are you ready to receive these invitations? He's calling us to follow. You know, to follow would be pretty radical. To really deny ourselves and and to give of ourselves. and You know, that story in Matthew chapter 19 of the rich young ruler. He comes to Christ and asks Christ, you know, what he's what he's supposed to do and, and ultimately Christ tells him to, to give up all that he has and follow him. Which isn't much different than what he did to Peter, John, and Matthew. He told them to follow and they had to give up their jobs. They had to give up what they had to do to follow him too. They just didn't have as much as this individual. In Matthew chapter 19, and verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, when we, when we think that we're giving something up for Christ to follow Him, honestly, I think that's an illusion. Because even though Christ calls us to deny ourselves, there's no doubt about that, to follow Him. You and I all know that if we give up our life for Christ, we gain it. There's nothing that we can give up. There's nothing that we can uh, uh, give up for Christ that He doesn't give back in this life and in eternity a hundredfold. It takes faith to believe that. But we know it. I mean, have you, do you know any stories of someone that said, hey, I gave up my life for Christ. I serve Christ and I'm, you know, sad about that. I, I wasted my time. No. He fulfills us. He gives us that purpose and joy. He, he couldn't get over this first step of faith to follow Christ. And one of the saddest things in the Bible is, the Bible says, and he went away sorrowful. This young man stood there and looked the, the creator of the universe in his face, and he said, Follow me. Follow me. And he turned around and walked away sorrowful, not following. You know, that could have been a little different. The Bible could have said and he went with them happily. But the Bible says that he went away sorrowful. Some of the saddest, saddest things in the scripture. I think of, of an, in Acts chapter 26, where Paul Talk about someone that gave up some stuff. He gave up everything. And he gave up his life, and there he is, in bondage and change, standing before King Agrippa for preaching the gospel, which he said, I am not ashamed of. And he gives King Agrippa the gospel message. He tells him what it means to be a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. He preaches to him the gospel, tells him his testimony. And at the end, at the end of Paul's message, at the end of Paul's witnessing to King Agrippa, King Agrippa says again, some of the saddest words in the Bible. He says, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. In other words, I almost was going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Kind of like the rich young ruler that just turned around and walked away sadly. Turn to Luke. Luke chapter 14. Jesus tells these two parables, one in Matthew, one in Luke about the, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he uses these examples of being invited to a marriage, being invited to a supper. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bid many. And set his servants at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. Isn't that it? And, you know, again, people haven't changed from then till now. Usually, when when folks are called to Christ, when Christ is bidding them to come to Himself, you know what you know what you'll hear a lot of times: excuses. You know, it's just not not the right time of the year. We're busy this time of the year. Or it's not the, it's not a convenient time for me. You know, maybe the, the kids are in school or the kids are going to college or the grandkids are... it's there's always an excuse, is there not? He says they begin to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go see it. It's interesting that. He would buy a piece of ground without going to see it first. But he said, I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. He says, hey, I, got, I just bought these oxen, i got to try them out. It's almost like dry, buying a car without test driving it. That, again, is not a very good excuse. But he says, uh, verse um, 20, And another said, I have married a wife. Therefore, I cannot come. Well, that one makes makes sense there. (laughs) Verse 21, So the servant came and showed his lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes and cities and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is... Room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be what? Filled. You know what Christ said? He's using this parable to, to talk about the kingdom of heaven. He says, Hey, there's a lot of folks that make excuse that they don't want to come. And I believe that he was kind of telling this story about the Jewish people, his people the nation of Israel, that He would come and presented Himself to them as Messiah, and they rejected Him. And you know what He said? Alright, you guys make excuses. He says, go. Call anyone and everyone. Go out to the highways and hedges. Go out everywhere and say, come. Come. That's what Christ is saying. Come. What? Come that you can have rest. Come that you don't thirst anymore. Come, be a follower of Christ. In closing, what would it look like to, 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 set around, to set apart that time to fellowship with Christ? I met a group of guys uh, like a week ago who had just gone one week. This, this group of guys had gone one week with no TV, no media. And I had met with them on the, uh, the week at the end of this. And they were so excited about it. The one guy said, man, he's like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me so much more. It seemed like I could hear him so clearly. And that group of guys went on to, they're, they're doing it this week. They said, we're doing it this week. And uh, they, you, you know what it is? It's nothing that, all of it's bad. It's just, hey, trying to find some time to just set apart time to hear from the Lord. You know what? You know when the Holy Spirit will meet with us and speak to us? It's when we ask Him. When we ask Him to. When we seek after Him, just like Matthew 7 says, seek, and you shall find. Not, and it shall be opened on you. So many times the noise of this life and the things of this life make it so that we can not hear the still small voice. And Christ is saying, hey, come unto me. Learn of me. Hey, believe on me. believe. You believe God, believe also in me and your heart won't be troubled. You can find rest for your soul. Come, drink of the water that I'll give you. Be filled up and full of the Spirit. So in closing, are we ready? Are we ready to learn of Christ, to find that rest, to be fulfilled, to be a follower of Christ? One that is that is uh, willing to give up their life, give up their plans, give up their future for Christ. You say, that sounds scary to give up what I have planned, but we already know, and Christ already promised, hey, you give up your life, you're going to what? Gain it. You lose your life, you're going to gain it. Of course, we want to gain it. One scripture as we close, and then we'll pray. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 17, last, last chapter of your invitation. By the way, this is our invitation. You can send an invitation. You know the thing about invitations? They're not mandatory, you don't have to go. <laughs> Christ has sent us an invitation. We can make excuse. We don't have to go. But He wants us to. In Revelation, at the very end, at the very end of your invitation from Christ, He says this in verse 17. And the Spirit and the bride say what? Come. Let him that hear us say what? Come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will. You know, who, you know who the whosoever is? That's anybody. That's anybody. That's anybody who will. Just as the parable we read, Christ is saying, hey, whosoever, anyone. The Bible says in Romans 10, what is it? 13 or 13.10? 13, I May mean, got that mixed up. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what shall be saved. It's for whosoever, anyone, everyone, He says, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Let's stand as we pray. Maybe this morning you need to uh, pray and say, Lord, I'm going to say yes to your invitation. Maybe you're in here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you say, I'm going to say yes to that invitation and receive Him this morning. Maybe you, you, you haven't heard his voice in a long time. Maybe you haven't heard his spirit speak into your ear and you say, hey, I need to come apart. I need to put time aside to learn of Christ, to believe and, and make sure that my soul finds rest and it's not in turmoil, not the anxiety that I feel. Maybe it's, I've like got to be filled with the Spirit. There's things in my life that I have to overcome. There's things in my life that I have to do and I feel like that glove without a hand in it. God, I need you in me. I need you filling me. Of course, all of us. We need to follow Christ. It's Christ that we follow. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following after Him.